0: Well, one thing it opened up, for one, let me just tell you about that meeting yeah. I went to that I called a interview. For one, they hired me and it I went see. disastrous. It went completely disastrous. They did not pay me. My mentor was like, what did you expect? You presented yourself as someone they could take advantage of. You, can, you kept referring to yourself as an employee. Uh, you had to get out of that mindset of mm-hmm. and that language of I'm here to work for you. I'm a subordinate to we're equals and I'm here to give you a valued service and you're here to pay me
1: for it. You know your business can change people's lives, but you don't yet have the right words to inspire them to take action. Imagine the changes you will create in your business as you tap into the secrets of ethical influence and positive persuasion to not only better serve your clients, but also to supercharge your financial freedom. I'm your host, Jason Lynette, and welcome to the Hypnotic Language Hacks podcast. I help entrepreneurs and business owners just like you to close more premium sales. And no, this isn't about tricking or manipulating people, not at all. It's about helping your prospects to appropriately sell themselves into your products or services. Please hit subscribe and get all the episodes now at JasonLinette.com. The way you are one place is often the way you are everywhere else. I'm Jason Lynette, and welcome to this week's episode of Hypnotic Language Hacks, where in addition to sharing with you specific linguistic methods for ethical influence and positive persuasion, I also invite people onto the program who have rather interesting stories that meet a very specific criteria, where there is a singular turning point, where by doing so, a belief structure completely changed, and as a result created massive outcomes in their business, in their personal life, and any kind of success it is that we could measure. And that's where this week's guest, Christina Rivera, tells a story from freedom to fear, and how so much of her story really begins to illustrate this premise, that as soon as we create one breakthrough in our life— it very often creates other breakthroughs in other parts of life as well, which as you hear her story in our conversation, we're going to talk about the moment of basically discovering, to say it politely, whether you call it that she was getting fired or laid off, very soon she was going to be out of a job. In a similar time frame, how so much of her personal language was racked with fear and anxiety and negative-based language to then suddenly make a decision to make that declaration, to go after a turning point, and rather than hope it's going to happen, rather than wait and pray that things will be better, to instead take action and do something about it, and the results now speak for themselves. So in this conversation, we're going to talk about what it takes to overcome a fear. And I'll tell you, this is something that I've seen time and time again, working with people, whether it's in my accelerator program, the students inside of business influence systems, or even back in the day, working with clients one-to-one at Virginia Hypnosis as a hypnotist, that as soon as this person, here's the story, they would come in sometimes, and let's say it politely, they had a list. I have a fear of flying. I bite my nails. I want to lose about 15 pounds. Uh, I'm afraid of public speaking. Help. And when it was that big of a list, it was kind of hard to go, oh, there's a logical through line of everything, right? You know, if I had a person who was generally stressed, but felt more stressed around that family member or coworker, we could kind of generalize the two together, right? But when they had that laundry list of everything, it was a bit too much to jump into. But here's the discovery, and I gave this a made-up name. I called it residual trance effects. What would very often happen? is I would ask that person of that entire list, which would be the most important to resolve today? Which one to have that in order would create the biggest breakthroughs elsewhere in life? And they would tell me, and it wasn't always the same answer. We would go in, we would address that one thing. And then later on, I'd follow up. Hey, you mentioned nail biting. How's that going? And they'd respond, oh, that. Yeah, I kind of stopped that on my own. Here's the reality. When we start to overcome a fear, it creates this breakthrough moment in your life where suddenly now you become, as I call it, that person of action. To look at, here's this thing that I want to do, and suddenly we break it down into the nuts and bolts. Well, I have to do X, I have to do Y, and that will help me to Z. The same way that it's a beautiful through line in my conversation here with Christina, where she talks about overcoming a fear of flying, and how so much of that directly related over to asking a client for the value that she was worth to work with them, to be able to express in a conversation that, no, 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 this wasn't an interview. This was actually a meeting in which now you're seeing the value of what I do and paying me for that service. And we even jump into the dialogue around how so much of finance really at the end of the day can be a bit of an emotional roller coaster. This place where what was it? We Our kids are going, going through right now in our homeschooling. As we're homeschooling this year, what are those topics that we all go, you know what, I wish I learned this in school. Well, as now we're the school, as my wife called it, Winging It Academy, pictures of birds, but also think it through. We are kind of winging it, but then again, making use of accepted protocols, accepted, uh, you know, uh, sort of language plans and uh, syllabuses and so forth still kind of winging it as we go, well, we added in two features to our homeschool. One, we added in cooking because everyone should know how to cook, right? It's a necessary life skill that absolutely must be there. Also, we've added in finance. Why? So the kids are now learning at seven and nine years old how to know how much money they have, to know what they might possibly owe. We created a little bit of a system around our house but also the importance of saving and investing and even donating. So looking at how there's a real implication of something. So now the conflicts that some parents would face with their kids, that uh, the kid wants to buy this thing. Well, Max, do you have enough money for that? No. Well, this is your weekly allowance when you take care of these chores. Let's look this up together. How many weeks would it take you to have enough money for that? And of course, by the time we get to that, seven-year-old, he's lost the interest in it, and we've moved on and didn't waste the money on the thing he didn't want in the first place. Go parenting. (laughs) So how so much of what we get into comes from a place of fear. Now, the exception to that is when we have some frameworks that help us to boost that confidence and overwrite that fear structure. This is why inside of Business Influence Systems, I teach how to deliver a message on video in a way that inspires people to take action. Well, I have found that as people had a fear of going on camera, as soon as they felt confidence in what they were delivering, they resolved the fear on their own. People had the fear of, what if I write something on a website and people don't like it? Well, again, when you've got my long-form writing strategy, you easily overwrite the structure of that fear because now you're writing with purpose Now you're conveying the value of what you do, and now you're projecting that confidence in such a way that people are excited to take action with you. So do you see how this conversation you're about to listen to with Christina is one where we talk in detail about how she overcame a fear, how in some way her story has inspired many others to let go of their fears as well, and how that directly relates over to finance. A little bit more of Christina before we jump into the conversation here, which by the way, This is episode number 18. You can find links to the show notes and the descriptions, the video of this conversation, plus the links to check out everything that Christina offers by going to jasonlinett.com. My last name is spelled with just six letters, L-I-N-E-T-T. One N, two T's, no extra letters at the end. Throw the number uh, 18 after a forward slash jasonlinett.com forward slash 18. That'll bring you to the show notes. Here is more about Christina. Uh, Earlier in 2020, she published her first book, Having It Made, A Journey of Rediscovery and Purpose. Some of the stories from that book you're going to hear in this conversation. And she comes from a background in corporate finance and has more than 25 years of experience in the field of corporate finance and accounts receivable. Since the conception of her show, Savvy Business, which launched back in 2012, she has interviewed over a thousand business owners, foremost experts and successful individuals from all walks of life. This is a great conversation of overcoming our own personal baggage to create even greater value for the people whose lives we serve with our products and our services. So with that, here we go. This is Christina Rivera on Hypnotic Language Hacks. Before we get started today, if you want to easily grab people's attention, naturally build authority, and organically have your prospects wanting more from you, even before you've made an offer, I've created a step-by-step program to help you to do just that. It's called Business Influence Systems. And this is your opportunity now to visit jasonlinette.com to get a free, behind-the-scenes tour of the exact hypnotic persuasion strategies that you can ethically use to better start up or scale up your business. If you want a proven framework to boost your confidence, attract premium clients, and inspire more people to take action with you, get Business Influence Systems now at jasonlinette.com. Hey, it's Jason Lynette, and I am here with Christina Rivera. Christina, how are you? I'm doing
0: fabulous. Thank you, Jason, for having me out here today.
1: Absolutely. And for those that are new to you, could you briefly introduce yourself and tell us a bit about what you do?
0: Great, that's exactly what I do on my show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm Christina Rivera. I've been doing a podcast myself for the past almost almost nine years coming up this uh, April. Uh, it's Savvy Business, and uh, what I started to do, I was telling you before the interview, Jason, that I was on a path many years ago where I was just filled with all of my thoughts, words, and actions were all filled with fear. Fear, And in 2006, I made a decision that I'm going to do something different. And it started with one action, then moved into a several other opportunities and windows and doors open. And that led me to starting a business, a podcast, and all this wonderful stuff to where we are today.
1: Yeah. And I love the idea that the way you are one place is often the way you are somewhere else. So, So take us back in time. It's 2006 where a lot of what you do nowadays talks about money and finance, Mm -hmm. yet this wasn't necessarily a monetary fear that you had to overcome. What, What was that fear?
0: Yeah, it was funny. It was about everything having to do with life, about living life. Uh, there was nothing I didn't do. And I, I didn't even realize it was a good friend of mine that said, You know what? Every time you talk to me about whatever it is, whether it's uh, starting a new job or, or going to meet a new guy for a date or whatever it might be, there was always couched in it language, and your thoughts and your actions were all strewed around I'm scared, I'm fearful, I'm anxious. And they said, do you realize that that's so much part of your life? I said, no, I didn't realize it. And then I started to pay attention. You know, when someone opens up and tells you something, you start to notice it. It's like all of a sudden you buy a smart car. There are smart cars everywhere. Well, now I'm noticing that I'm using fear-based language everywhere, no matter what it is. Oh, I'm scared to get that chili. It might be hot. (laughs) I'm like, gee, there I go again. Um, But then I started to look at my life. What was I not happy with or what might be causing my fear-based language? And I found that I was really... I would probably say at the time I was happy, but I was more content and I was just living a life of what you might call safety, Yeah. Um, doing not necessarily my favorite job or my favorite life, but just I'm comfortable um, somewhat. And, and then I started to say, OK, what would I do if I were to push myself so I'm not maybe so comfortable, but begin to push past some of these fears? And one of the biggest ones for me at that time was the fear of flying. I would feel when I go fly and I love to travel that I would actually burst from fear that was going to kill me. That's how intense the fear was. So in 2006, yeah, yeah, I mean, intense. I mean, when I would go on a commercial flight, I'd be under the seat practically. I'd be like this. It was horrible. Everyone's looking around. Is there something I should know? But I made a decision in 2006. I was going to first take a flying lesson and right It's amazing. And you know this, Jason, from the work you do, that when you first make a declaration like that and you mean it, then stuff happens. Like the next time I signed into my Yahoo message, I got a big um, advertisement that said Discovery Flight for 50 bucks. Nice. <laughs> a pop-up. And I'm like, out of nowhere. And I'm like, get out. And so I clicked on it and it was a flight school in Long Island, New York. And I, I decided to take a discovery flight. And I was so excited but petrified at the same time for the next three weeks. All I could talk about, I'm gonna take a flight lesson, I'm gonna take a flight lesson. Um and it was scary as all heck. I mean, I went out there, my brain is screaming, get the heck out of here, run away, don't do it. Um, but you know, like when you're up there at 2,000 or more feet, you can't open up the door and get out. You have to deal with oh, it. Oh, yeah, there's you're there. There's nowhere you can go. <laughs> you can't go anywhere. <laughs> so I'm I'm there and I can't run away. And as we continue with the flight and you realize you can't get away from the fear, you just have to sit with it. And the at that moment when I realized I stopped fighting it because there was nowhere to go, it washed over me and disappeared and a sense of amazing peace washed over me. I it bet. was kind of like I had to realized that I couldn't make it disappear I just live with it stand with it and then it just and it was it was amazing and then I looked at the window oh this is kind of cool look at it wow this is awesome up here and by the time I landed please sign me up for flying class so I was like (laughs) I'm hooked
1: (laughs) tell me uh, me if this kind of matches up because there's some things that You know, working Mm -hmm. as I started as a hypnotist Mm -hmm. before I started to teach people in business the specific language patterns Mm -hmm. and the strategies of ethical influence and positive persuasion. When we're inside of a problem, I mean, it's the horse with the blinders and it's that spotlight shining on one specific thing and there's nothing Mm -hmm. we can do about it. But as soon as we create that shift, which for yours... Mm -hmm was the moment of taking action and kind of that Mm -hmm. as you said that declaration here's what i'm going to do about it and as Mm -hmm. soon as we're in it it's where if we want to use this metaphor of the horse with the blinders and the spotlight Mm -hmm. it's that the ugly fluorescents are turning on and this is an old line out of hypnotic change Mm -hmm. work you start to notice everything it is you were not yet noticing And, and as you mentioned that that rush of peace to go Tell me if this matches up, this place where, yes, it was peaceful. Yes, it was exhilarating. But there probably was still the dash of, oh, this is it. Oh, I can do this.
0: Yeah, it was It was like, oh, my God, I was scared of this. Now, not to say that fear completely disappeared, because as I started taking flying lessons and I learned different things, you push yourself. And again, that, that, that place of uncomfortableness, again, puts you into that fear. But because I'd already been there, I realized, okay, all I can do is go through it and it's gonna go away, but you just have to keep doing it. And, and I think my biggest lesson—they asked me to do a talk after a couple of years of flying to a group of women who were flying and had fear of flying. Hmm. And they said, "So what's the magic recipe to getting rid of it?" There is none. You just do it anyway. And they're like, "Wait a second! That's what we paid you for it." Now, <laughs> no, don't worry. I'll tell you some stories along the way. But right. yeah, there is really no ma- <laughs> there really no is no magic pill. It's just, and and what I ended up, you know, eventually writing about in my book was just really that through that particular moment of first dealing with the, the fear of flying and then looking at the rest of my life, what am I not doing that could expand my potential that I'm not doing because I'm living in comfortableness and security and now pushing myself past the fear.
1: Mm-hmm. And then
0: that opened up later on to starting a business, a podcast and a bunch of other opportunities that wouldn't have happened had I not taken this first step.
1: Yeah, it's that. I've said this for years, that the way you are one place is often the way you are everywhere else. That Mm -hmm. going back to that specific turning point of going, if I can be the one to make this declaration, book this Mm -hmm. ticket, and decide this is what I'm doing now, it it directly Mm -hmm. relates to, let's say it's another business owner who, host to host, decides to go out and launch a podcast. It becomes a Mm -hmm. very different conversation when we take it out of that place of, it'd be Mm -hmm. nice to perhaps I should, Mm -hmm. versus, hey, everybody, on this date, episode one is launching, and as I did just to build the motivation for myself, and we're launching Mm -hmm. with 10 episodes just to go, yep, Mm -hmm. we're serious about this, or um, behind my shoulder, putting out a book in January 2019, and how important it was to me to go, this is the date that it's coming out, that Mm -hmm. I, I had a career at one point working in event production, So some of that was the corporate product release. Some of that was the political fundraiser. Which side? Whoever paid us that week. Uh, Regional theater and, you know, the the classic quote from Lorne Michaels of Saturday Night Live. Whether Mm. we're ready or not, the show goes live at 1130. That something happens when we make that statement. So Mm -hmm. so let's bring this around to business. Because as you said, by overcoming something personal, it kind of freed up all these other things Mm -hmm. Let's start with the before. So it's clear what the Mm -hmm. flying was like before, but in Mm -hmm. terms of the dialogue, the stories of yourself as a business owner, prior Mm -hmm. to that, what was it back then?
0: It's interesting because uh, back in 2006, I would have never, ever, ever considered in a million years to to open a business. And uh, an interesting thing happened that year, besides the fear of um, flying that I started to work through, um, I then had this job I thought I'd be a lifer at it was a finance job. I worked in their finance department. I, my goal is I'm going to work to VP status. I want to be at the top of this business. And I love the company and this is going to be it. Um, did I love the work within the company? I love finances, but the work within the company, you know how it isn't a super huge corporation. It gets very sticky tape, red tape thing. You know, it, it's not, you're not free to really grow the company probably the way you would if it were your own. Um, so I'm there. And then something out of nowhere comes. They have to cut People in every department. Oh, wow. And I had just started with the company. They said, Oh, it's a great opportunity. We want to get you on board. You're going to grow massively, blah, blah, blah. A year and a half out. And they said, Well, I'm sorry. We're going to have to let you go in December in two months. And I was like, You you pulled the rug out from under me. I was so bitter. I was so angry. And one of my greatest fears is being without a job and maybe eventually, you know, you go down this, this train wreck in your brain, like no job, no food, no shelter. You know, you, you go straight to I'm going to be homeless and, and whatever. You go straight to the worst possible scenario. Um, so I was going through that and I was talking to one of my um, ex-bosses and he said to me, I don't know why you're fretful. I mean, you've had a wonderful career in finance. All the companies you work at will give you tremendous review, even these people. Um, why don't you just start your own financial firm? I was like, nah. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll partner with you. So, you know, I, I started to think about it. And the more I thought about it, I got excited. It's of course, fearful a little bit because the idea, I've never done this. I know nothing about business. Um, but then I just put together a business plan. I showed it to my ex-boss. Um, he then said, I'm not really free to partner with you, but I'll give you some tidbits and advice and mentor you. Um, but yeah, just a couple months later, I told the people I was working with that, you know, it's been great. I'm not going to consult with you. I'm actually just going to go full steam ahead on my own business. Nice. And I started <laughs> like, yeah. And so it was a great run. I, my first um, couple clients were people actually I worked with as an employee. And they hired me back a couple of times, so it was a you know it goes to show that I had a pretty good relationship with them as an employee. But then I think what's interesting, um, Jason, is getting my mindset into the different idea of now I'm not a employee, I'm a business owner. Yeah, because it's a different mindset. Because now anything that happened w- regarding my work was a personal reflection on me, and not so much oh I screwed up, uh, you know my boss will be be better next time. But here, no, 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 this is a reflection of my business and and in in a sense myself.
1: Yeah, so then looking at that situation then, to Mm -hmm. to be there where now it's on you and how this whole conversation began in terms of looking at a fear and then overcoming Mm -hmm. it. What are some of those things that had to be overcome and said in terms of launching Mm -hmm. your business and even as you've interviewed people along the way, what are Mm -hmm. some of those common themes that you're Mm -hmm. finding people are running into in terms of that story that they're telling themselves before they even launch?
0: Yeah, I think the biggest thing uh, I myself I had to get over was realizing that this is the the vision I had in my head is a business owner is one that comes in does a couple hours and they have people doing things and they get to chill on a beach somewhere. Yeah, twenty years from now maybe, or <laughs> ten. Years. You know, whenever you built the the very strong foundation.
1: What's so the phrase I put that? Uh, you, and this is a startup thing, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're willing yeah. to put in eighty hours a week for yourself to not give someone else forty hours a week.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, Eventually uh, that know, stuff becomes re-
1: automated or maybe even passive, but it has to begin exactly. massively active. to get up and running in the first place.
0: Exactly. And that's what I quickly realized. The first week I woke up at 10 a.m., did an hour of meditation and started making phone calls for sales and, and quickly ran drive because everyone I knew were in corporations I already worked with. And about after about two weeks of calling everyone I knew or contacts they knew they I either got a few gigs and or not, and then now I'm back to, okay, now I've got to find new people. Now, this is a whole new set of uncomfortableness going to cold call people I don't know, and where do I even begin to find them? Uh, one of the first things I did, and to get past was realizing now I'm not an employee, I'm a business owner, how does an, a business owner um be in the world. What? Is, how do you be? What is your sense of being? It isn't that, oh, I'm eight hours. Okay, let's clock out. Ching. No, it's like, this is a reflection of me. So now I had to realize how am I going to present myself, even going for a meeting? The first thing I did is I hired uh, two mentors, one that worked in finance and one that's built a six-figure business for over 12 years at the time and was very successful. So I hired both of them. And uh, the one thing they said to me is that when you go into a meeting, like you did this week with one of the um, potential clients of yours, you said, oh, it was a great interview. And, and we're like, it's not an interview. I thought you were a business owner. It's a meeting. Mm, it's a, nice. you know, a negotiation. Uh, so it was Ooh. just getting the language set. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I like let, let, let's
1: go off of that for a moment, because yeah. this is well, hypnotic language hacks, change your words, change your (laughs) mind, change your business, how so much of it changes where uh, I'd give a side example of here's a client of mine that used to Mm -hmm. talk about the consult. Well, that's where they would Mm -hmm. ask me questions and see if they wanted to hire me. Like, Mm -hmm. no, this is a conversation where you're interviewing them. And -hmm. if we frame it ever so slightly, now the dynamic is, I see a lot of great results with this. It was a fitness program. I see a lot of great results with people. However, Mm -hmm. it's not clearly a match for everybody because I'm looking for those people who fit X, Y, and Z criteria. Mm -hmm. The same as hosting another podcast that's gone out for seven years, I stopped calling them interviews. Congratulations, Mm -hmm. Christina, you're not in an interview right now. This is a conversation (laughs) that by, and again, by changing the dynamic, even if it is the big name in a certain field, it's Mm -hmm. two people having a dialogue and suddenly it gives it a different respect. So, Mm -hmm. so by changing it to a conversation, by changing it to a meeting, what did that open up Mm -hmm. for you?
0: Well, one thing it opened up for one, let me just tell you about that meeting I went to that I called a interview for one, they hired me and it went disastrous. It went completely disastrous. They did not pay me. And my my mentor was like, what did you expect? You presented yourself as someone that could take advantage of. You, can, you kept referring to yourself as an employee. Uh, you had to get out of that mindset of mm-hmm. and that language of, I'm here to work for you. I'm a subordinate to we're equals. And I'm here to give you a valued service and you're here to pay me for it. Nice. Uh, and then there was the other thing to work through for myself, which is, I, it's not icky to say you know, how much money you want, which was another huge hurdle that took probably yeah. more than a year for me to work through. Yeah. But in this particular case,
1: yeah, go. Oh, yeah. What had to happen then in terms of being able Mm -hmm. to say the number? You know, I I teach Mm -hmm. that the the pricing is directly proportionate to three things. The quality of the thing we're providing, product or service, the Mm -hmm. confidence of the person asking for the sale, as well as the quality of, let's call it the onboarding experience that then Mm -hmm. demonstrates points one and two. So if we just sit there and go, 15,000. It's like being told a car is $15,000. We don't yeah. yet know yeah. what it is. Mm-hmm. So, so what had to change in terms of your mindset to then present mm-hmm. that, that ooh, investment, not price?
0: Investment, <laughs> yes. And I didn't use that for almost a year either. It's interesting. My mentor would sit down, and actually work out sales conversations on how to have them. But it's one thing working through a script and then another thing owning it. And for me, and I could get the presenting quality, making sure I could really add value when I got there to do the work. I'd been doing that for a long time and I was the best in my field when even I was an employee. But the problem for me was seeing the value in myself, having that value inside to know that yes, I do present this value and it is okay for me to ask for set amount in value in cash. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was a work through, but I, I recall the biggest turning point for me. And I talk about it when I did write in my book was one night, um, someone had called me for advertising in, um, savvy. And at that point, um, I think we'd reached about 70,000 listeners and people started to tell me, Hey, listen, I come on your show. I'm starting to get leads, la, 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 la. And so we started to do advertising. Well, he called me one day, this guy, and he said, I want to come on your show. I want to be an advertiser, but I don't want to pay you because I want to pay you in services. And I said, well, yeah, but I don't really need what you have right now. So um, here's the cost. And he's like, no, no, no. You need to take me on because I'm amazing. And you, people need to hear about my service. And so he just kept at it and he would not let me off the phone. And I had this thing and I didn't realize it until this conversation that I needed people to be okay with me. I needed them to accept me and to have acceptance more than I needed the money. At least, you know, that's what I realized. So I said yes to him and then I hung up and I felt like crap because at that time I now been in business a whole nine months. I have no food in the refrigerator. I'm not ready. I can't pay my bills. And uh, I'm really hungry. And this was really stupid because now I'm going to do this work. I'm not getting paid. So I spent the next hour crying about it until I realized he didn't do anything wrong. I'm the one that didn't value myself enough to just say no. This is the cost, period. You can take it or leave it, no biggie. But see, he knew it was a biggie for me. He knew he could move me because of my language because I did not feel confident to myself. But from that point on, boom, that that week, the next four people I talked to, we closed the sale, meaning I got them, you know, they, they were interested, they saw the value, and they heard the value in my language, and they were able to seal the deal with me, and I was able to provide the value. But I had to get past that uncomfortableness that, yes, what I have to give is valuable and it's okay to ask for that in dollar amount.
1: I'm going to the horrible metaphor of the ripping off of the Band-Aid. That sometimes we have to go through that really crappy experience Mm -hmm. uh, to get a rather expensive or painful learning lesson. Um, For for part of my audience here that listens to the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast, which that's for people in the hypnotic industry who want to do hypnosis Mm -hmm. better. This is more business owners, entrepreneurs, online marketers who want to Mm -hmm. learn hypnotic techniques. But that other program, Mm -hmm. uh, the the origin story of that was to go, let me capture the conversations that I genuinely want to have. And there just happens to be an audience was -hmm. the premise. And there's a moment where halfway through a recording, this will sound familiar, halfway through a recording, I'm going, this is not what this show is. Yet Mm -hmm. I was being nice and keeping up the friendly professional banter. And then step one, almost deleted the episode. Oh, rats, wouldn't you believe it? the recording failed? But as I listened to it, and just to set Mm -hmm. the stage, uh, Mm -hmm. they were not doing what you're doing wonderfully. Yes, Mm -hmm. you have a book. Yes, you have a service. Yet you are providing Mm -hmm. real value to all of us Mm -hmm. here right now. We're learning mm-hmm. from you. We're building rapport with you. Nicely done. Mm-hmm. Uh, this person was just <laughs> selling a thing. And I published it as a punishment to myself. And the same story. Ah. I hated myself for a week mm. to the point I think I took a month or so off that program, which it was, it was batch produced and so no one can go back and mm-hmm. guess which one it was or could you. Uh, but <laughs> I took a month off to go, that's not what this is about. Mm-hmm. Which makes it so. The the benefit, mm-hmm. and correct me on this, mm-hmm. if you find yourself in that type of situation now, mm-hmm. there's a bit of a red flag going up and you're able to pull out of that situation before you get back into it, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And in fact, you know, we talked about the money and me pulling it wasn't just the money. Like you said, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And In that same time period, there was also a guest that was being pushed on me by a lot of my audience. Oh, they just loved him. He's great. Oh my gosh, you got to get him on. The moment I spoke to him on the phone, just briefly, I got, you know, that that feeling you get when you just don't like someone cause you get to uh, icky feeling like, Oh no, no, this guy is, I don't know what's wrong with him, but I, I uh, something about him. And I said, yes, based on other people's opinions. So then I, I got burned because he came on to sell something at the end of the show that actually he didn't deliver on. And I got a lot of angry emails and such. And, and I was like, you know what? I got to listen to myself and have value that what I'm feeling and, and, um, my intuition is telling me is valid. I don't need other people to validate me or what I'm feeling. And, and that was yet another lesson. And yeah, I have value. And what, I, what I'm you know feeling or saying or what's going on is, is okay for me to stand on, if you know what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. yeah? So the, let, let's yeah. get specific then in terms of this dialogue between finance, which is clearly a big part of what you do. Mm-hmm. And then let's frame it this way of getting out of fear rather than focusing on the fear. What what are some of those correlations? What are some of those connections that you mm-hmm. notice that people often are coming into that financial conversation with?
0: You mean when they've gotten past the fear and now they're rolling or when they're still stuck in that, in that place? What do you mean?
1: Whichever one you think is a more interesting answer. Let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, we we get people coming on talking on both sides, but really, I think it's a process for everyone once you're either starting out in the business or whatever it is that, you know, maybe fear and uh, holding you back will play out for a while until you, like, I got to a point where you're like, I've had enough of this. This is so uncomfortable that the being in the fear is more uncomfortable than moving out of it. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's just like that job I lost. It was actually for one, I lost the income. I lost the job, which was prestige and and whatever, but it was actually a blessing because that loss actually opened up for me to see that there was something greater and, and more potential for me to live out.
1: Which I mean, mm-hmm. think about the sort of classic interview question is, if mm-hmm. you knew then what you know now, how would have you <laughs> done that differently? But you strike me as someone who can mm-hmm. look back and even though to use the professional terminology, it sucked back then, The Mm -hmm. fact that you had that experience informs you even better for what you're doing now.
0: It does. And in fact, everything up to my life in this present moment, there was in my early childhood, I studied music and I studied a number of different instruments. I did voice and my mom's like, can you just pick one thing and be a master at it instead of being, you know, a jack of all these things and not really a master of it. And uh, you know what? All of those things I studied, you know, the violin gave me discipline. The voice gave me, you know, diaphragm, how to present myself with a mic right now. So I find that each of the things I studied now is I'm able to use in my business and in my life. And the same goes with my hardships, you know, mm-hmm. being scared of flying, having a difficult time growing up or, you know, the getting fired. All of them have been things that later on I could grow from.
1: Which, by the way, I think Prince played all of those instruments, and um, we'll leave it at that. Mm. Man, was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of purple, too, which we're using all over every website of mine, which is a whole podcast episode waiting to happen. So Mm. let's talk about fear and finance. What's a place where, Mm. you know, there's a quote, I I shared this previously on here, that Dave Ramsey, Mm. there's a quote of his that I That i loved which was that Mm -hmm. um investing is not a financial problem it's an emotional problem and Mm -hmm. there's a whole premise inside of hypnotic language patterns of what are called presuppositions and the setup is you Mm -hmm. don't have to necessarily believe that as being true but if you Mm -hmm. operate as if it were true it gives you greater flexibility and i think Mm -hmm. to myself i think to even students of mine that we're financially well off And yet there was no planning for the future. And it was this Mm. kind of week-to-week, month-to-month fear. And even though Mm -hmm. they got out of debt, even though Mm -hmm. things were clearly going quite well, it was the fear that if I now stick it in the 401k, the IRA, the CD, whatever property, Mm -hmm. what if I need it? Which is, again, Mm -hmm. reiterating that premise that it's more based on the emotion. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: What, What is it that you feel in your finding in terms of the work that you do Mm-hmm. What's kind of that emotional trigger that has to be overcome to make any of the finance more successful?
0: It's interesting because uh, now in present time, I've been working with companies on a um, um, consulting portion. So I come in and I see, okay, I'm on the AR side. So why are you not bringing the money that you? should be bringing in? You have the invoicing, you have the services you're providing. What are some of the blockages stopping you from making and bringing in that money? And a lot of the times, it's like that same fear base, even though they wouldn't think so, the CEOs and, oh, no, there's no fear going on here. Everything's perfect. Just fix those employees down there. Everything will be perfect. (laughs) It's like, uh, no, not really. Um, But a lot of the times, it's getting stuck and doing things the exact same way. And also that same fear that if I just change a little bit, I could lose everything. Right. Where the essence is, if you just change things, things will run a lot smoother. One one example of the business that hired me, and he was $700,000 in debt. Lot, I like, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> basically, I said, I need to look at both sides. Can you tell me your numbers? What are your in and out? Um, I don't know. All right, can I see your spreadsheets? No, nah, I, I don't know. The, the, the I, I had to fire her. I don't know where they're located. I'm like, how do you even know you're $700,000 in debt? I'm like, well, my lawyers told me I, I was. Oh, wow. I was like, okay, we, we need to do some serious work here. I said, we're going to need to set up, um, you know, a spreadsheet of in and out, you know, your all your stuff going in, uh, coming in, all the stuff going out to get a clear picture of what we have to work he- with here. And, and then go from there. And he said, no, I, I, don't, I don't do it like that. I just pay things when they come due. And I said, well, you know, it's been nice meeting you, but I really can't help you unless you're willing to do something different from what you've been doing, we can't move forward. And so I think one of the biggest problems I have with meeting any company, and this was a kind of one or two person operation, is if you're a huge company or not a huge company, if you're not willing to start looking at things that are not working and making even slight, maybe minuscule changes to start, um, you're really not going to grow. And then realize that and they won't realize this fear sometimes, but just to realize, let just take a few changes. It doesn't have to be, you know, throwing out the whole baby with the bathwater. Sometimes just a few tweaks, like what happened with my flying. You begin to realize, oh, look, this is, this is more smooth. The water flowing better. And then you're willing to make more changes when you realize that, oh, the couple of changes you made weren't that scary. I,
1: I love that that's where you brought that. The old example of, and this is morbid, but the old Schrodinger's cat, <laughs> yeah, that if you, don't open, <laughs> if you don't open the box, it's going to be okay because we don't yet know. And I, I've had you know people in my consulting programs over the years that, well, the letter comes from the IRS, but I'm terrified to open it. And, and here's one recently that it became, we're on Zoom together and yeah. we're about to work on some of his messaging. We're about to work on mm-hmm. some of the sequencing of how people come into the world of his business. And he mentions, yeah, there's a letter over here that's been sitting there for two weeks and I'm terrified to open it. I'm like, well, you're sitting here with someone who helps people resolve fear and anxiety. Open it now. I can't, mm. I'm here for you. We can work on this if it's scary. <laughs> and he opens it. And of course, it's like a change in privacy policy. It's boilerplate oh. messaging and there's nothing to it. <laughs> it's the, uh, what is it? I'm in Fairfax County in Virginia. And it might mm. be that, property tax bill for my office it might be the uh, income mm-hmm. tax for the county and no it's the reminder that they're still sending mail to the office i moved out of two years ago and mm-hmm. they're getting return mail like fine <laughs> where if yeah. we can't if we can't track it we can't change it and mm-hmm. this is where i would share there's a funny dialogue as much as you know we're a business owner ourselves um the conversation i have with my accountant is somebody I'm an LLC being taxed as an S corp, I'm on payroll. Mm-hmm. And then there's quarterly draws that we end up doing beyond that of going, this is the four times a year that I'm an uh-huh. employee to call up and say, his name's Jason too, to go, hey boss, can I pay myself today? I wanna to give myself this. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we, we can look together and see. yes, here's what you've got. Yes, you're mm-hmm. in the black this much. Yes, we're gonna hit this criteria for this specific mm-hmm. uh, tax thing but that willingness to track it and measure Mm -hmm. it. Um, And again, just like getting over the fear of flying, of as soon as we start doing it, when you're the person Mm -hmm. who does the thing, you're the person who does the thing. Uh, This has been fantastic. And I love how you've been so specific with some of the stories. And even for people who are not dealing with accounts receivable, the ownership of this is what I'm worth. This is what I'm asking for. How can people Mm -hmm. find more from you?
0: Sure. Uh, they want to come listen to some of our chats and dialogues with our wonderful guests talking about business as well. It's savvy. That is like savvy shopper, savvy business Outstanding.
1: And your book too. mention that.
0: Yeah, it's on the same website. Oh, uh, you'll see on top resource page and we got a number of wonderful resources out there. They're free, including uh, you can get a copy of my book, having it made. And the fun thing about that is um, at the time back, 2006 having it made for me was being a vip in a penthouse in manhattan and that having it made has simply changed now to being in wonderful texas and a wonderful apartment with a wonderful husband so you're having it made can always change don't be stuck on it has to look a certain way
1: nice you'll you'll love this the number of people in marketing who do these sexy photos with the sports car Uh, We Mm -hmm. recently did something where there I was, with the sunglasses giving the thumbs up, (laughs) collar turned up, minivan behind me.
0: (laughs) I love it. Define
1: your own success. Uh, We'll put all the links to the show notes over at jasonlinette.com forward slash the number 18, where you get a link to that as well as the resources. Any final thoughts for the listeners out there?
0: Yes, absolutely. Like me in 2006, if you're sitting there on the edge thinking, I am not really happy with my life, I think there's more, well, get started with something small, whatever it is, anything out there that might be challenging that you just put on the side, go do it today.
1: You have been listening to the Hypnotic Language Hacks podcast with Jason Lynette. Please stop everything and start exploring jasonlinette.com for even more business influence and persuasion resources. Make it a priority right now to subscribe to this program and listen to every episode, because the next one may reveal that one hypnotic influence secret to massively scale your success. Change your words, change your business, change your life. Get even more at jasonlinette.com.